Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Aren't you just sick of hearing about pipelines? It's now been a full decade since we started arguing about Keystone XL, and honestly, we've never stopped. There was Northern Gateway, and then Energy East, and the Line 9 reversal, and on and on and on. Trudeau bought Trans Mountain, and Andrew Scheer now wants to create an energy corridor, whatever the hell that means, and I'm just done with it. And that's not saying that pipelines aren't an important issue, they clearly are. But the problem with always talking pipelines is that we risk losing the forest for the trees. When people are debating pipelines, a lot of the time what they're actually trying to get at is the future of the oil sands. What do we do about this thing that's a pillar of our economy but is also contributing significantly to the climate emergency? Pipelines play a part in all of those debates, but here's something that happened last month that you almost certainly didn't hear about unless you're really deep into this stuff. Tech Resources wants to build a massive $20 billion oil sands mine in northern Alberta. Dubbed Frontier, the mine would up oil capacity by 260,000 barrels a day here north of Fort McMurray. On Thursday, construction of the project was deemed in public interest by a panel comprised of federal, then provincial arms. But that panel also says Frontier would likely significantly harm the environment, indigenous lands and area habitats. It would be the biggest oil sands mine ever. If you've been listening to this show, you have a pretty good sense of what these oil sands mines entail. They're massive operations. In fact, there's only nine that exist right now. So to build another one at this time, when the Alberta economy is still teetering, when Jason Kenney is launching a war room to attack environmentalists, and when we're on the doorstep of a literal climate catastrophe, it's a pretty big deal. So instead of having another goddamn debate about pipelines, that's what we're going to talk about. Because an election's coming up, and whoever wins will be the ones to decide whether the Alberta oil sands could get a whole lot bigger. You may think that things are changing in Canada's energy sector. Pipelines are facing more and more resistance from protesters. Most people now accept that climate change is real. Hell, even a bunch of big oil companies are in favor of a carbon tax. The only question left is if we can make the necessary changes in time to save the planet without completely crippling the economy, right? Well, not so fast. This is big oil we're talking about here. There's a buck to be made, they're going to go try to make it. So even at a time when Canada's committed to lowering our carbon emissions, we're on the verge of giving the green light to a project that could pump a whole lot more pollution into the atmosphere. And it's sure to do lasting serious damage to one of the most ecologically sensitive places in the world while undermining the rights of local indigenous peoples. No matter what activists do or scientists say needs to happen, the tar sands just keep getting bigger. A brand new oil sands mine came online just last year. And there's a whole lot of others just waiting on the sidelines, ready to be built at a moment's notice. I'm Archie Mann, and from Canada Land, this is Commons. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world 
and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in, in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. When I tell you that the tech frontier mine would be big, I mean big. The thing would be twice the size of the city of Vancouver. Or if you want to use Alberta metrics, about half the size of the city of Edmonton. A bit weird how differently sized those cities are, but that's not the point. All you need to know is it would be very, very large. And it would churn out a hell of a lot of oil, 260,000 barrels a day. That would make it the second most productive mine in Canada. Tech Resources itself is a pretty new player in the tar sands. They're a Canadian-based company uh, based out of Vancouver. They actually have several of their mining projects outside of the oil sands. And they began to dip their toes into oil sands uh, production a couple years ago by partnering with another oil sands producer up in, in the area to kind of get their, their toes wet and, and see if this was something they wanted to pursue. That's Nikki Wei, a senior analyst with the Pembina Institute, a think tank that advocates for the reduction of fossil fuels. They were an intervener in the frontier mine hearings. So why have so few people heard about this? It has received far less attention than some other issues that have captured Canada's attention, especially when it comes to climate change. The project's been under consideration for many years now. It's been a slow process, and it, it's actually gone through. It, it kind of was restarted back in 2015 when the proponent uh, resubmitted uh, their project assessment. So it's been a really slow burn. It, you know, it hasn't had a lot of uh, moments of uh, public attention. It's really gone through the uh, relatively unexciting regulatory process. And those regulators came back with a ruling. It's in the public interest. 7,000 jobs during construction, 2,500 jobs during its 41-year operational life, and $70 billion in tax revenue to multiple levels of government. For a province that's still feeling some economic pain, that's pretty hard to say no to. But there are some caveats. Big ones. Here's what else the panel found. Quote, The project, in combination with other existing approved and planned projects, is likely to result in significant adverse cumulative environmental effects to wetlands, old-growth forests, wetland and old-growth reliance species at risk, fisher, Canada lynx, woodland caribou, the Ronald Lake bison herd, and biodiversity. The project, in combination with other existing approved and planned projects, will also contribute to existing significant adverse cumulative effects to the asserted rights, use of lands and resources, and culture of indigenous groups in the mineable oil sands region. In other words, it's going to fuck a lot of things up. And one of the things that could be seriously affected is one of Canada's greatest natural treasures. Mm. 
Wood Buffalo National Park is a place unlike anywhere else in the world. It is the largest national park in Canada. It's located on the northeast corner of Alberta, so it uh, also straddles slightly into the Northwest Territories. It's about 45,000 square kilometers. It is the fifth largest national park in the world, so definitely a huge, huge space. It is home to a bunch of different threatened species, including the wood bison, which is probably its most famous resident. My name is Keisha Kerr. I am the executive director of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society's Northern Alberta chapter. There are 3,000 wood bison that live in the park. It's home to the largest free-ranging herd of wood bison, and it's the only place in the world where there's been an unbroken relationship between wolves and wood bison. You know the story of the bison? Once there were tens of millions of them roaming the North American landscape. But in the 1800s, they were massacred on an unprecedented scale, gunned down from trains, slaughtered to make way for white farmers. And the wood bison in Wood Buffalo National Park are the very last of their kind. The park's also home to the whooping crane, which just so happens to be the tallest bird in North America. Pretty cool if you ask me. Unfortunately, there's only 800 of them left in the world, and Wood Buffalo is the last little bit of their nesting territory. It's also home to the largest beaver dam in the world. The largest beaver dam in the world? It's over 800 meters long. Wood Buffalo isn't just a national park. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, one of only 20 in Canada. But Wood Buffalo is in danger. There is an urgent call to better protect the largest national park in North America. A new report shows the 4.5 million hectare Wood Buffalo National Park north of Fort McMurray is deteriorating. And the way of life for some indigenous groups are threatened as a result. The park really is not in a good state. And that's why the Miccosukee Cree First Nation petitioned the World Heritage Committee to, to list the park as a World Heritage Site in danger. And that was in 2014. Just last month, the committee met and evaluated the park. While they didn't list it as an endangered World Heritage Site, they gave Canada a 2020 deadline to make significant improvements. Just so Canadians understand, like a World Heritage Site being put on the list of sites in danger, that usually happens in war zones. This is not the kind of thing that we should be having in northern Alberta. It would be a pretty embarrassing thing to happen to Canada. Hydroelectric dams have starved the park of desperately needed water. Just to give you a sense on how low water levels have impacted this community, right where I'm standing, elders say this whole area used to be covered by Lake Athabasca. And the park is downstream from all of those oil sands mines. But the oil sands may be about to get a whole lot closer. If it goes forward, the Frontier Mine would only be 30 kilometers away from Wood Buffalo National Park. And for the whooping crane and the wood bison and the other endangered species in the area, that's a real problem. The whole mineable area of the oil sands is along the flyways of, of these migratory birds. And those migratory flyways, so basically the routes that the birds use, they converge just south of the park. And so it's, you know, birds coming from all of these different locations are traveling along. And of course, as they go along, they have to stop 
at different locations. And unfortunately, they sometimes mistake tailings ponds for for like a water body that they could stop and rest on and eat at. And the wood bison, the last of their kind, are also under threat. The frontier mine would take up around 20% of the territory of a different herd of bison who are infected with tuberculosis and brucellosis. So by like taking out this big chunk of the, the range of the disease-free herd, then the, there's the potential that they'll be pushed further to the north and will be in contact with the diseased herd that's in the park. Obviously, that would be awful for the bison themselves. I mean, who wants tuberculosis? I don't even really know what brucellosis is, but I sure don't like the sound of it. But for the indigenous people of the Athabasca region, for whom bison are central to maintaining their traditional ways of life, this would be a true disaster. Since the oil sands became operational in 1967, they've had an absolutely massive impact on indigenous people in the region. It's something Violet Cheecham Clark thinks about a lot. The Indian doesn't know how to to look after himself anymore. How could he look after himself when everything he ever depended on is taken away from him? Violet is a member of the Fort McMurray First Nation, and in her 91 years, the territory she grew up in has completely transformed. When we were kids, we lived off the land. Everything we wore, even the clothes we wore, but the material my mother bought by the yard and made clothes. And then the moose hide she made to make us our moccasins. And it, was, it was healthy. Violet simply doesn't think there should be a new big oil mine like Frontier. I really don't want mines. Because they just wreck the earth and they wreck the, the way of living, our way of life. Violet's daughter, Cleo Reese, is an activist and the co-founder of Keepers of the Athabasca, which was also an intervener during the hearings around Frontier. We reached Violet and Cleo out in Alberta. We explained our point of view that we don't want to see another another big development taking place like that on our land, which, you know, there's not very many pristine areas left. Wood Buffalo and the surrounding regions are one of those last pristine areas. It is a beautiful area. It is, at the moment, uh, there is nothing there. There's no development. We actually camped out there for a few nights, a couple of nights, actually, and just to get to see what was there and take a look at some of the flora and fauna, I guess, of the area. It, it was quite untouched, I guess you could say, and it is a beautiful area. It was the scale of the proposed frontier mine that really caught Cleo off guard. So I was very surprised to find out that they were going to do another massive project. And it, it's going to be bigger than, than some of what's already out there, like Sincru, for instance, or Suncor. I mean, it's just, to me, ridiculous that such a huge project would be going on. And then, you know, it, it's really all to make as much money as fast as you possibly can. Cleo feels a responsibility to speak up about the expansion of the tar sands. I love my land and, you know, where I come from, and I don't want to see it further destroyed or degraded. Tech Resources, the Vancouver-based mining company behind the Frontier Mine, has reached agreements with all of the First Nations and Métis nations in the area. And the company, along with two others, even donated land to create a park next to Wood Buffalo that would mitigate some of the impacts of the proposed mine. 
But Cleo says that all of that papers over some very deep divisions amongst indigenous people in the Athabasca about oil sands development. Our communities are very divided because some people want the jobs or the the money that comes with these big developments because you always get promised, you know, a certain amount of some sort of a compensation. But to me, it's not enough. It'll never be enough because we're dealing with our future and our land. It's it's there. It's it, it's it'll still be there, but in what condition? And it takes a long time to replenish a wetland because a lot of it's wetland and it takes like hundreds of years thousands probably of years to, to get back in a, in a proper state every new oil sands project has an immense impact on the local environment and on the indigenous peoples of the Athabasca and the climate impacts could be even more dangerous tech says the frontier mine would produce four megatons of carbon emissions But the Pembina Institute estimates that it's actually much higher, closer to around 6 megatons. Here's Nikki Way from Pembina to put those numbers into context. If you consider that 6 megatons of emissions, if you put that into the context of where Canada has said in its mid-century strategy where it wants to be in 2050, that's 5% of Canada's entire emissions budget. So one project in 2050 could be consuming 5% of the emissions, and that's fairly significant, I would say, and I think that's something that we shouldn't be taking lightly. These emissions will be locked in for decades. And so when the world is beginning to um, transition and, and, and treat climate change seriously, locking in emissions and the scale of investment for a project like this, that's a massive concern. It's a bit of an odd strategy for tech because they've actually been pretty vocal about climate change. As a company, they, they actually do have several I would say, progressive views on climate change. They were one of the companies that signed on to the Paris Agreement in an attempt to uh, signal a commitment to keeping global emissions under two degrees Celsius. So a project like this seems to be a little bit out of line with those kind of commitments. The panel that approved the project found that it wasn't even allowed to consider the climate impact when it was making this decision, which is kind of wild. Frankly, at the end of the day, these decisions boil down to the economic benefit that the project promises. And so they often don't really consider the kind of the broader impact to society, the cost of climate change, for example, the cost of the impact of environmental harm on First Nations or the the liability risk at the uh, uh, end of the project life. We still don't know whether or not this oil sands mine will actually be built. That will depend on two things. It has to get cabinet approval, which means that whoever wins the next federal election will have the final say. And Tech Resources actually has to build the damn thing, which isn't a guarantee. The price of oil is still pretty low, and it may not make financial sense for them. In fact, their own numbers for the project predicted an oil price between $75 and $115 a barrel. The low end of that range is a full 10 bucks higher than the current price. That still doesn't mean it won't happen. Tech has said publicly it wants to start construction as early as next year. So what if the mine gets built, but eventually becomes unprofitable? Who's going to pay to clean all of that up? And if it doesn't actually receive that high price per barrel, 
it could really place that liability back on Canadians as a whole. We said, if you're going to approve this, you have to ensure a company like this is required to put security in place so that uh, those liabilities are paid for by the company and not by taxpayers. We already have enough examples throughout Canada of uh, taxpayers picking up the bill at the end of the day. But if we continue to invest in projects, they have an inherent liability if we're building up projects with billions of dollars of capital investment and will require billions of dollars of cleanup. And we're making decisions uh, without uh, mitigating those impacts, but also without actually assessing of whether this will come and uh, kick us in the butt uh, at the end of the day. Um, in the sense that uh, these projects could could very well not be economic after they've been built and after the world uh, continues to implement climate uh, policy. Uh, and as technology begins to allow us to uh, uh, make better choices with less emissions. The tech frontier mine would be massive. But it's not the only one. A whole bunch of oil sands mines have already been approved. But for one reason or another, they were never actually built. There's 130 megatons cumulatively of projects that have already been approved and only 80 megatons of projects that have actually come online. We already have a ton of approvals that are already in the wings that are just waiting for the right economic situation. So, you know, as a province and as a country, we really need to know how we're going to manage so that we don't actually allow that much in the way of climate impacts to come online. The oil price is low right now, but we don't know what will happen in the future. Few people could have predicted the global oil glut back in the heady days of $140 a barrel. If the price rises again for whatever reason and big projects become profitable once more, these mines won't have to go through a regulatory process again. We won't be able to examine the climate impact. They could just start up and get going. We need to stop making these decisions in that kind of business-as-usual manner because if the tides turn, we have ourselves a, a major climate issue more than we do today. If the Tech Frontier mine gets built, let alone any of these others, it's almost a guarantee that we won't meet our Paris climate goals. The climate emergency is one of the greatest challenges humanity's ever faced, and we just got one step closer to failing it. your episode of Commons for the week. This episode relied on reporting done by Sharon J. Riley, Alistair Sharp, Judith Lavoie, and many others. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CanadaLandCommons, that's C-M-N-S. You can also email me, arshi at CanadaLandShow.com. This episode is produced by myself and Jordan Cornish. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and our music is by Kevin Sexton and Nathan Burley. Our next episode will be the final show in our series on Crude, so make sure you tune in. If you like what we do, please help us make this show. You can support us and get ad-free podcasts by going to patreon.com slash CanadaLand. 